Good Monday morning and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. I am doing episode 95 and I am returning to competing attachments to discuss a few more of those, and to reiterate why it is important to understand what your competing attachments are. The first ones, just to review quickly, we went over what competing attachments are, how they are rivals to a relationship, how they might differ from hobbies, and the different types of competing attachments include addiction, social media, gaming, smartphones. And that is where I ended last week. No, two weeks ago, because last week I did one about micro anxieties with my daughter. So this week, I want to start up with competing attachments again. I'm going to reiterate, the importance of understanding these is because your competing attachments are a way of keeping you from connecting with your intimate people, whether those are your children or your spouse or your partner. And in some instances, it could be friends, but mostly this is our more intimate relationships. Competing attachments are distractions and they are distractions because there is something about your relationship dynamic that is hard to engage with. That is why it is important to understand your competing attachments. So let's get into some heavy duty stuff. The next one is pornography. And pornography is in a class by itself in part because it is two competing attachments, addiction and infidelity. Because depending on the perspective of your partner, pornography is a breach of the relationship and the non-viewing or non-addicted partner feels a sense of violation and abandonment. And they don't feel like they are good enough or worthy enough for the addicted partner to be interested in them. So that is a form of infidelity. The partner who is engaged in pornography, and there's a wide range between viewing pornography and addicted to pornography, which I am not going to talk about. But the person viewing it often does so as a stress release and to soothe feelings of shame and disconnection, which can be directly related to the romantic relationship or can be related to different things going on in life. And so it's incumbent upon people to really understand what's going on if pornography use is part of your relationship. The partners who are not viewing pornography feel competition and they are competing, ironically enough, against more or less non-entities. And so that's a difficult thing to manage too. So when you have a 
competing attachment, which falls under the category of an addiction, which many of these things do, by the way. Any type of addiction to something that takes you away from your intimate relationships is a security breach and is detrimental to the security of the relationship. The next category include affairs and infidelity. And being unfaithful in a romantic relationship is probably one of the biggest threats to attachment security and relationship satisfaction. It is one of the leading causes of divorce and leading I leading causes of competing attachment. So this particular form doesn't have to happen repeatedly. It only has to happen once for it to undermine the relationship in very, very significant ways. And this is an interesting one because not everybody will have the same boundaries around what is considered appropriate or inappropriate behavior with someone outside of the relationship. And so the first thing to do is to make sure that you are clear on that in your romantic relationship. Is it emotional infidelity? Is it physical infidelity? Does it need to require sex? Is it just relationships with coworkers or social media relationships? There are many many different parameters that would need to be discussed to understand what constitutes this kind of infidelity. And that's between partners. That's not necessarily something that anybody can decide for you. So that's the first thing that needs to be done. And it would be useful to do it sooner rather than later. Because infidelity, even if only perceived, is a, it's really, really toxic. It immediately undermines the trust, trust, security, and satisfaction of this intimate relationship. And some people feel that their social media relationships are violations of that particular boundary. And that's an important thing to discuss especially since our social media use and our device use is one of our most prevalent competing attachments. And we don't always know what our partner or spouse is doing on their social media. And so this is the kind of thing that can go on for long periods of time without the other partner knowing why or what the relationship feels like it is shifting or changing. Factors such as attachment security and satisfaction have been demonstrated to be consequences and causes of infidelity. Those people who have secure attachments are much less likely to engage in the infidelity-related behaviors of any kind. And there is also a link between attachment avoidance and interest in other partners as well as strong associations associations between attachment insecurity and infidelity in relationships. And so it is important to understand your attachment needs because when they are not met, 
and there is a low level of relationship satisfaction that tends to contribute to people seeking connection and even intimate relationships outside of their primary romantic relationships, i.e. their partners or their spouses. And that's another really important thing to understand. Another competing attachment would include rival relationships. And these are not necessarily romantic or in or have anything to do with infidelity. Okay. They can be your community, your work, your friends, your family. Um, these are just rival relationships, people who are valued more than the primary remote romantic partner. And they can still be experienced as a competing attachment. A rival relationship is anybody you spend time with to avoid even unconsciously spending time with your partner to the extent that it is detrimental. If these are opposite sex partners or coworkers, then that adds a little bit of dynamic to how it is perceived by the partner who feels like they are being abandoned for this extra attachment. And so, again, it's useful to understand what your expectations are in your relationships. In rival relationships, one partner may consistently turn to a friend or family member to discuss private emotional topics. They might need to, or, okay, they might be seeking validation outside of the primary relationship. They may be seeking for something that their partner cannot give them. This is an important caveat because I hear about a lot or I hear from a lot of women, usually women, who do seek validation and empathy and support outside of their primary relationship because their husbands cannot give it to them. And so to the extent that you are in that situation and listening to that, I totally get it. I understand that that is a void in your life. And I understand that it can be really hard. And my advice is twofold to you, if you're the one who cannot seem to get validation from your spouse, my advice is to keep trying and to keep going in for those hard conversations using I statements and a speaker-listener format to continue to ask for this need to be met. The other one, the second piece of advice is to go ahead and utilize outside sources. Just don't do it at the absolute exclusion of your partner or spouse. Keep giving your partner or spouse the opportunity. Now, my advice to you, if you are a partner or a spouse, if you have someone in your life who is willing to tell you exactly what they need from you in terms of empathy and validation, please give it to them without it needing to make sense to you. So much of our hangup around validation and empathy is that we believe validation means we agree. 
It does not. You never have to agree. Never. So please just step out of your comfort zone. Step out of what you think is the right way to do it. Get rid of all of your fears around what it means to validate your spouse or partner when he or she is feeling dysregulated and just do it. The results will be positive. I promise. They will be positive because this is a positive communication strategy. This is the single biggest way you can grow in connection and closeness with your partner, period. End of story. So please just do this. That way your partner does not have to seek for that emotional validation outside of the relationship, which is probably causing you a great deal of stress, as it should. It should cause you a great deal of stress if you know your partner is seeking for this from somebody other than you. But if they can't get it from you, what do you want to happen? So that's my rant. Um, text messages, emails, um, communication through social media apps. These are all ways to create insecurity in your partner as it relates to rival relationships. So again, discuss what your boundaries are, what your parameters are, how you want to have text messages with invites and all of those things happening between the two of you. And that will diminish the insecurity that comes up from these rival relationships. The rival relationships that are identified as family members outside of the romantic relationship are often unnoticed or if they are a note or if they are noticed you're dealing with a dynamic that is a little harder to accommodate so from my perspective i welcome and i have actually had this happen open dialogue so i want my in-laws to be able to tell me if I am too intrusive into their relationship. So if I have a child who is seeking validation or support for whatever reason, not because they can't get it elsewhere or because they're lacking, but just because we're close and we want to have these conversations and it feels like it is intrusive or too much for the other partner, I recommend that that be a conversation you allow to happen in your family, in part because it's very subtle and it's oftentimes just viewed as these are my family relationships. And so they are not, they don't qualify as competing attachments. And that's not true. They do. So this is the case if one family member is too invested in their if one person in the partnership is too invested in their family, whether it is caretaking or just sibling get-togethers or anything that feels to one or the other partner like it is too much in their relationship, there needs to be balance. And so the conversation needs to be had where these are good relationships and are healthy and should be maintained or where these relationships are too much and there needs to be some adjustment. 
because this is indicative of, of relationship dissatisfaction. I want to go back to talking about the validating and empathizing as it relates to this section on rival relationship attachments, because the other important thing is to learn how to validate yourself. And that is more than doable and is a resource you have with you always. And so learning how to validate yourself is really just understanding that you get to have your emotions, you get to have your experiences, and you can be the person to say, it's okay that I'm having these. I'm a person who's struggling right now. This is a self-compassionate act to validate and empathize with yourself. And when you can't get it from someone else, for whatever reason, this is a good go-to. The other thing I would like to point out and acknowledge is that all people need empathy and validation. And so if you are the partner in the relationships who feels like you're not getting it and you're beating your head up against a wall, then do yourself a favor and offer it to your partner, regardless of whether you're getting it or not. This is good modeling. It will make you feel better and they need it too. So it's not just a one-off thing. This is something that everybody could benefit from. So that is the last part on that rival relationships and emotional validation. Okay, so I want to just kind of wind this down and talk about the common link that exists with um, each of these types of competing attachments. And it is about attachment security or the lack of attachment security and relationship satisfaction. Human attachment bonds are not just about infants and their caretakers. Human attachment bonds have been researched and studied, and it is now well documented and proven that these are significant throughout our lifetimes. And so this is particularly prevalent in our romantic attachments and those relationships as adults. So I've talked about attachment style, the insecure, anxious style, and I will continue. So I don't know when, but I will with the other styles, but these attachment styles are important to understand so that you know how to interpret relationship satisfaction or relationship insecurity and recognize that there is plasticity and movement in these attachments. They can move from one to another in any given day, depending on the circumstances. In our romantic relationships, distress occurs when the security of the attachment is threatened, which is why someone might act out anxiously and why they might act out in an avoidant fashion, which I have not talked about yet. But it is the stress in our relationships that creates the uh, portrayal of the attachment behavior. Competing attachments are threats and they are considered competing attachments when the threat causes distress in the partner. So all of these things exist, well, with the exception of infidelity and um, 
porn, well, infidelity and addictions are generally, okay, I can't be that specific, but the point is, is some of these attachment competitors are only such if they cause distress in the relationship. So that is the marker that you and your partner are looking for. And that's how you're going to determine, but this is going to require conversation about it. And I expect you to do it because that is an important part of why I bother to do any of these podcasts, because I would like to empower you to work on these things at home first in yourself and secondly, in your relationship. So again, this is not pointing fingers at someone else who has competing attachments. This is figuring out what yours are, why you have them, and how they are impacting your partner. And then changing to the extent that you have space to do that. Then you may look out at your partner and say, hey, this is what I have been doing for me. And I'm wondering if you've noticed anything. And would you be willing to jump on this bandwagon with me. This topic of competing attachment is relevant in couples therapy, obviously, and it is also relevant in your relationships, more obviously. I am hoping to empower you, inform you, educate you, offer you something that you can look at so that in your own homes, you can do your own work. And there is a competing attachment scale that was created by Rebecca Jorgensen and Annabelle Bugatti, whose article I will link to, to help therapists discern and assess whether competing attachment is an issue in the relationship. Here are the questions that a therapist might ask you, and you can ask yourselves. Have you experienced in the past or do you currently experience a sense of competition with the activities or relationships in which your partner engages? Number two, do you feel like your partner turns elsewhere outside of the relationship to have their needs met rather than turning to you? Number three, do you feel hurt, bothered, or upset by this? Number four, do you feel like this has been a problem in your relationship created a lot of conflict or affected your ability to get close with or have a healthy bond with your partner? Those are the four questions. Notice that number three is, do you feel hurt, bothered, or upset by this? It is entirely possible to be in a relationship with someone who is not bothered by this or is not bothered by this yet. So not all of this stuff is going to be that bothersome. It's important for you to determine personally what bothers you and what does not bother you. It's important for you to have conversations with your partner about those things. It's important for you to break through the fear and insecurity of having those conversations because what you truly want is a more meaningful, fulfilled, secure relationship. That is your goal. If that is the goal of two people in a relationship, then the work has to be done. And I challenge you to do it first with yourself and then with your partner. And that is, again, reiterating what this whole podcast premise is about, is to put information 
and stuff out there to help you guys help yourselves. If you are in a relationship that exceeds dysfunction of what I am talking about in the average podcast, then please reach out for support. There is plenty of available therapy, both individual kind and couples kind. If you have a partner who is not interested, that is okay. You can still do your own work. If you have a partner who is not interested in therapy, even for you, that is okay. You can still do your own work. It is possible. And a couple of ending things that have nothing to do with the podcast. One, I am sick. So if you have found yourself stopping and not listening after the third or fourth sniff into the microphone, my apologies. I have tried to catch myself, but know that I have not. And number two, there was some point at which I answered the phone that was ringing in part because we are trying to negotiate family dinner because I'm recording this on Sunday and I actually needed to take the phone call. So apologies for sniffles and apology for the potential phone ringing on the podcast. I'm going to end this particular topic of competing attachments with a quote by Michelle Maros. Meaningful connection is formed when we bravely share our truth. And have a good week.